and we're back. <laughs> Yet here we are again, another episode of the Lipstick League. Welcome everybody. I'm Natalie Eganoff. I'm Nicole Mahalik. It's where sports and pop culture come to come play. To play. We and have another today. <laughs> are we going to celebrate every guest this way? Yes, we yes. should. Absolutely, it's a big deal because we're very picky about our guests and our the, the guests we choose. They embody what the Lipstick League is. Yes. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. I'm so happy to be here. And the cool thing about Alex is that, and, and we were talking off mic a little bit, we're, we're going to get into your whole story first and then we'll get into the sports, but Alex is from South Jersey, basically Philly, right over the bridge. Right. And then she was a radio girl, but now she works in the record industry, but she's wow. also like a crazy sports fanatic. Oh, okay. But you also have this like incredible journey of like being this like conservative Christian. And now you're this like badass modern woman liberal who has like the most amazing responses to tweets and inst like there's so much to talk about with her. Oh, it's so like, fine. it's going to oh. be great. Nicole has Nicole's known me for a long time, which means Nicole has seen the tweets that I've now since deleted, and uh, <laughs> Nicole has seen my questionable views, which I do. I am open about because I believe that you should be vulnerable and transparent because it gives people hope that uh, I am a case study that you can change. You can be a a very conservative evangelical and then practically become a leftist in the matter of five years. So there's hope is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But you just always know the perfect thing to say to these crazy people that reach out to you. And I'm like, God, her responses are so cerebral and witty. Yeah. Like, and Natalie's like that too on Twitter. And I'm like, God, I'm always like, you know what? Shut up your mom. Like I'm so bad. At I'm so bad at comebacks. Like it's just not one of my things. Literally somebody just, somebody just tweeted me and was like, you're not funny. And then he like tagged his friend and I responded and I was like, did I at you? I said, or are you responding to me and adding one of your little friends? Yeah. You know, like, I'm just like, I didn't, I wasn't talking like you follow me. I wasn't talking to you, you right. know? You're just so um, rude. <laughs> so, all right. So Alex, let's go. We were talking a little bit off mic too about your, about just like your journey just in the last 10 years, but like go back even further, like growing up in, are you had in Heights or you had in Field? Audubon. So, Audubon, got it. Uh, oh, okay. Which is like, you know, uh, the not as nice as Haddon Heights and Haddon Field, but right there. Yeah. Um, but wait, yeah, let so, me interrupt you really interrupt you really quick. Yeah. Cause I, I just want to say for those listening, Alex is representing LA. So she lives in oh, LA. Yeah. You've lived in LA for what? Six years at this point, seven years, seven Holy years. Wow. Right. Isn't that and, crazy? Yes. And like, and so not only is she like a sports fan, but she knows her shit. And then you also now kind of adopted the chargers kind of like as your team. And so mm -hmm. we're going to get into all that, but then she also flew home for the Eagle Super Bowl. So like, I'm telling you, like when I say that she's like a lipstick leaguer, like she's yeah. Like, yeah. to the T. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's so interesting. And so like, I, um, admittedly, and I, I, it, I got my start and we can go back to this, but I did get my start in sports radio and oh. like when I was in college. Yeah. And so when I was in college, that's when I met Nicole, like I was an intern at Q102 and power 99. But like when I went back to Kentucky, which is where I went to college, um, uh, not UK, but everyone thought I went to UK cause I hung out there so much and I worked at the flagship station, uh, for UK sports. And so 
little background about me, what I think I wore as a badge of honor is I knew like a few people that went into the NBA and NFL and they were like, no, Alex knows her shit. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, What I will say is when the pandemic hit, I felt like this last year, I have been really bad at staying on top of sports, but I don't know if you guys have, have, um, have come in contact with this a lot. A lot of people that like, especially when I went back home to Philly, um, over like the break, a lot of people were saying the same thing. So I don't know if it's just like COVID brain or just like everyone's been preoccupied with the pandemic. And it's just been weird to watch games where no one's in the stadium, but they're still like filtering fan sounds like through the stadium. It's been this like weird, weird thing. Um, But, you know, all that to say, like, you know, there is a pretty strong Eagles following in Los Angeles. And um, there's actually an Eagles bar that's down the street from my house. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. it was, it's pretty incredible. And like, I mean, like before the pandemic, it was packed. Like every Sunday, there was a line out the door of transplants from Philly you know, wanting to be with their people to watch the birds play on a Sunday. And it was just the coolest thing. Cause you just, you like, it's, it's weird when you live in like people, when you live in LA or just you move in general, like when you meet someone from Philly or Jersey, there is like this instant kinship of like, okay, I know you're good people. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, you, you almost speak a different language and it just was so comforting to like be a part of that getting a little sidetracked. Nicole, I think you asked me a little bit about my story, but yeah, I'm from, uh, from South Jersey. Um, you know, I, uh, grew up there before I went to school in Kentucky. My dad, you know, was a huge influence on the, on the fact that I'm as big of an Eagles fan as I am. I'll never forget, uh, being like eight or nine. And my dad would watch obviously like every, you know, South Philly Italian man, um, would watch, you know, the birds play every Sunday. Yeah. I remember they were playing the Cowboys and I went, Oh, I like their star. It's really pretty. And my dad, like, he was like no, no, he muted the TV and like yeah. grabbed my shoulders. And he said, we are Eagles fans in this house and you will never <laughs> say that again. And I was like, Aww. okay. Um, but like, I just like from that time, like, you know, especially getting into high school, it was funny. Like my, my brother and I are eight years apart. So like when I was in high school, I was, you know, so into just going and watching, going to games and watching games with my dad. My first game ever that I went to, and I love telling this story, I was 12 years old and it was the last Monday night football game against the Giants at the vet. And I was 12 and my mom, I know my mom has like the least, least sports person ever. Like if you look at Nancy Gervaisi, she doesn't like we're very different my mom's like I don't get it like she's like would be vacuuming in front of the tv and me and my dad would be like move like what but like she decided you know she got tickets through a client and so her and my aunt decided oh we'll take Alex to the game she's like such a big fan I had my Hugh Douglas jersey on and um we went there and my mom pulled me at halftime because like, you know, the vet was like the wild west. It's like yeah. people, who think <laughs> the link, people who think the link is rough. I'm like, you have no, can I curse on this? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You have no fucking clue. <laughs> yeah. and, like, I just will never forget. Like I, I was, it was, I'll, I'll never forget. It was like the weirdest, uh, the, it was like a fever dream. Like we were, we were next to a Catholic priest. And then on the other side of me, there was like women taking their tops off. And then my mom was like, it's time to go. Like you got school in the morning and I was so pissed. And then we were walking out and I was throwing a fit. I was like, are you kidding me, mom? Oh, like we're winning. Like I want to stay. My mom's like, this is 
too reckless for you. You're 12. <laughs> and like, I was like standing on the um, seats screaming at the top of my lungs like with every other full-grown eagles fan who's <laughs> yeah. like drunk in their 40s like and i'm just like rowdy and i'll never forget there's a man on like one of the upper decks of the vet and he's he's peeing over the um over the railing and it hits my mom in the shoe and she's like we're done we're oh my gone. god he's like i've had and, enough yeah but you know what that was my first eagles experience that ever. sounds for like some reason it, it sealed the deal for me and I was yeah, like that's it, it sounds I'm in, I'm in like an ep- it sounds like an episode of it's always sunny in Philly <laughs> it yeah. really does and that's yeah, the yeah. thing like people try to ask me like you know just oh it's it's so great and you know um what's awesome is my best friend out here uh one of my best friends Laura uh we met about two years ago and her husband's from Avalon New Jersey and he's oh, been no out way. you know yeah yeah so he's been out in LA for over 20 years. And one of the first things we bonded over, I met them at the same time watching an Eagles game at a bar. Yeah. Um, and we met through a mutual friend, but I was like, oh man, you know what I'm mi- I miss? Like they don't have in LA. Like no one has a basement in LA. Um, yeah. I, it's like a weird thing that you don't think about until one day you go, God, no one has a basement. Like it's right. weird. Where right. so do you keep like, all your Christmas decorations? Yeah, exactly. Like in the garage, yeah. uh, if you have one. Um, yeah. But if not, a storage unit. But um, yeah. it was like I just was like I miss basement bars. And he looked at me, and his eyes were huge. He goes, "I'm building one right now. We have one." And I was no. like, "Are you kidding me?" And so now we call it T3, uh, where I watch my Eagles games now, um, or it is at T3. Um, and it's, they have a back house and that's a big thing in LA that they rent out, but the bottom floor is the bar. And so, oh, so I have, cool. I've now been contributing and I have like a flyers, uh, mug in there that, <laughs> you know, a, a flyer Stein. And then there's like, you know, we have a Jerry Blavitt poster from memories. Margate <laughs> with the like, heater. It, oh, the heater with yes. the big boss with the hot sauce. Yes. And, like, he signed it. I was just like, every time I walk through, I'm like, yeah, I'm home, but I'm 3000 miles away, right. but it's, it's, it's stuff like that, where it's so funny because like people, like I try to explain to people in LA, I'm like, you see this, like, this is normal. Like back home, yeah, right. everyone in Delco has a basement bar. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> and it's so yeah. funny how like, we're so provincial that it, it's, it's almost like, you know, you move out there and you're like, I'm going to start anew, but here's my Jerry Blavitt poster because <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to, yeah, no. well, I have to hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People, it's so, and it's now funny because we've gotten a few LA people on the Geeter with the heater train. So like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a whole other podcast we could do, but, um, well, it, it is. is. And, and my uh, two really good friends of mine. So my friends, Mark and Chrissy, who I actually met when I started as on the promotion crew years ago, weirdly enough, his last name there it's Mark Sirianni. So I'm like, are you related to the new Eagles coach Nick Sirianni's like long lost cousin I was like let's get those season tickets but his grandmother is still alive she's in her 90s and she's a Jerry Blavitt groupie like her Shut and her up. girlfriend still same. go to see him <laughs> yeah same so I I met Jerry Blavitt for the first time last year actually like February of last year I met him for the first time and my I have the funniest story about him I don't know if we have time to tell it but my mother used to be a hostess at, at the Mashalu you know, back yeah, in the day, my yeah. mom was like a hostess there. And she said she used to, you know, 
people would like slip her like a 50 and they'd be like, can you get us a good table? And she'd be like, absolutely. You know? So she started to, you know, develop relationships with people who would come in like judges. And back then, like, you know, the nineties with like Joey Merlino and like all those guys and like yeah. Jerry Blavitt would come in and like all his people. So they invited my mom to like one of his shows. She brings my aunt or whatever. And they're at Finnegan's wake. Uh, and Jerry, yeah. Blavitt, yeah, which is no longer, I don't know if you know that Alex, but Finne yeah. Finnegan's is no more sadly. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're at Finnegan's and I guess he like had, Hey, you see my mother in the crowd and my mom was probably like, I don't know, 34 at the time. And I think he was like, oh, like, who is this woman? And, you know, he was just like singing a song to her or whatever. Of and, course. Yeah. And apparently, <laughs> yeah, you know, like serenading her. And apparently my mom or my aunt was like, if you, if they were ever to get married, she would be Gabby Blavitt. And she said like <laughs> the whole place just started cracking up. And Jerry, she was like, Jerry looked like a little like mortified because everybody was like laughing that my mom would be like, Gabby Blavitt so when I met him <laughs> last year I was like oh my god first of all you're Jerry Blavitt like I've known you since I was like a year old and then I'm like and second of all like I tried to tell him the story about my mom but like I don't think he was like connecting it and I was like okay I've sufficiently embarrassed myself enough in front of Jerry Blavitt like <laughs> I'm gonna go back over to the other side of the bar but like it's funny okay and like you tried to hit on my mom like 20 years ago amazing yeah and he's yeah. still like listen I go to memories still every summer like I wow. live in LA I'm like no we're going I go down the shore every summer yeah. like I yeah. have to get it in and um I mean I went in the pandemic everyone's still on the dance floor with their masks on I was like you are not holding these people back <laughs> no. like, they will show up no. with the heater with the heater sure. Yes. oh I love it so when you okay so you went to a Christian high school right I went to Nicole, not just a Christian high school. I went to Christian school from kindergarten through my senior year of college. I was wow. in Christian schooling. So, yes. But this is okay. what I, when you decided to go to Kentucky, was it, did you want to go because to be close to the University of Kentucky with the sports or did you go because it was just the Christian school? Like what made you pick Kentucky? I don't know if I've ever asked so, you that. No. Yeah. So I went to a small school called Asbury and I was actually set to go to a school in New York city called Kings. And, um, you know, cause it was the media capital world. I had known I wanted to do radio because of my aunt, Amy Joe, who, you yeah. know, Nicole, you know, who worked at CUNA too. She would like haul my, you know, haul my butt around who Amy Joe is for. Amy Jo's Benjamin Buttons, like she just keeps looking younger. Doesn't, it's, like, just, it's like annoying. I'm like, you're 45 and you still look like you're 27. Can yeah. you please not? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah. Like truly, like it's, but anyways, so she would like take me around to all the q and 2 promo things and I would go to the Q concerts. And so literally people ask me like, what did you want to do when you were in kindergarten? I was like, I wanted to be on the radio. Like yeah. it never mm -hmm. changed. I always wanted to. So I thought, you know, I'll go to New York, the media capital of the world. That will be great. And then I went to um, a, I was at a college fair in high school and um, for just Christian universities. And there was a school Asbury and they like, were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to be in radio or TV. And they're like, well, we'd be a really great school for that. I was like, where are you, Kentucky? <laughs> okay, bye. And they're like, no, actually. And then they showed me where all of the people that have graduated from their media program have landed. And they, at the time, not making this up, only school in the US that was allowed 
to send American students as interns for the Olympic Broadcasting Services. And so wow. that was because one of my professors sat on the board of the Olympics. Okay. And and I guess the Olympics didn't really trust Americans at that time. It really it opened up to everybody else, but they were just like, all right, well, like we'll trust these students. So when they said that, I was like, my ears perked up and I was like, okay, like yeah. I've never been to Kentucky. I think you're crazy, but I'll go. But they really did. Like they had a fantastic media program and I had known what I wanted to do. I always yeah. kind of have like been like uh, just forward, like thinking in the future has been a strength of mine and at least having some sort of a blueprint, obviously that changes, but I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So what would be the best thing for me to do? I was like, I'll give it a year. If I hate it, I'll transfer. And I ended up graduating and I, I actually interned the 2012 Olympics um, wow. in London. Yeah. And it was it was really such an interesting experience. And I, I always like, you know, I'm very grateful for my professors. I don't I don't really uh, I don't really at all uh, align with my, you know, alma mater's belief system or, you know, anything. But the one thing that, you know, it did help it, it did set me up for success. Um, you know, I got my first job at iHeartRadio because one of my professors was an iHeartRadio personality in Lexington, Kentucky. And like, I didn't have a car. I was 20 and the station was 40 minutes away. And I just would borrow my friend's cars to go until my parents like gifted me this beat up Hyundai Sonata. that was like a lawnmower <laughs> yeah. and yeah. it got me from point A to point B, but that's all I cared about. Yeah. And so that was it. Like I started as a board op. And like, I, you know, I still keep in contact with some of my professors who will reach out to me in the radio program or the media program and say, Hey, I'm trying to update my curriculum or, you know, I'd like your insight on this. And so, you know, I will say like, because of that, you know, going there, it did lay the groundwork for me to get my start into radio. So um, that was really cool. Like I got, before I even interned, I had a part-time job as a board operator mm. um, for a conservative news talk station, which is crazy. And then also the, the sports, the sports talk station. Oh, okay. And, and so that was it. And then, you know, then later that summer I interned at Q and two and I met Nicole and, you know, I was again, 20, maybe 20. Mm -hmm. No, I think I was 20 at the yeah. time. I wasn't even 21. Um, and I just remember like meeting Nicole for the first time and her um, talking about just like digital strategy and like social strategy. And I learned so much from Nicole, just like, you know, interning <laughs> under her and like, you know, and, and just taking like the wisdom that she shared and then just fucking ran with it. Like the moment, like I was out the door, like, you know, I went back and I, I applied the things like Nicole had taught me to the stations in Kentucky. And then you know, I did uh, stuff for B104 in Allentown and I think the Fox it's called there. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start in, in radio. And I just kind of worked my way up from there. But weren't you on the air in Kentucky though at some point, right? I was, yeah. After yeah. I board opt for a few years. And then once I had actually at B104, I would submit my tracks uh, through Kentucky for the overnight slot. And I got like a little bit of- right. Um, X, like I, I just got a little bit of experience. Um, they let me have do the weekend slot for Lexington, uh, the cat. And, um, you know, I did that uh, leading into my senior year of college and then throughout my senior year. And it was kind of crazy because 
I started getting like calls, like before I graduated from just like bigger markets, like at CBS and Mm -hmm. Um, my program director at the time, you know, had notified, um, the guy who ran, um, top 40 radio at iHeart, who eventually had become my boss in LA and, you know, iHeart was just like, okay, like we want to, you know, invest in this young talent and, you know, from doing on air at Kentucky, the moment I graduated, I moved to Virginia beach and I was there doing radio for 11 months. And then was miserable. I almost left the industry. And then, yeah, you, know, you had a horrible experience in Norfolk. Horrible. Like yeah. I hated it. Like, I mean, I feel like that's an interesting space, like place to kind of be. Yeah. It's right? hard because it's yeah. like, it's called the seven cities. So, and like all of them are so secluded, like they don't really talk to each other. And so Norfolk's it, very it, military too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a very big military town. Right. And I just, you know, my, my OM at the time was awful and I just I didn't like him and we yeah. didn't get along and then yeah. you know uh I heart then moved me to Austin Texas um which was awesome I thought I'd do like you know two or three years there and I was only there for literally five months um before LA called and then I moved to LA um and I've been in LA for the last seven years um and so I was at Kiss FM in Los Angeles for for six years before getting let go from my heart but it was such, I mean, it was such a, it was almost like, and we're, it's not, it's not going to be a bash iHeart show, but. I mean, we no, can be if I you mean, want. Kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding, I mean, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. And, it, it, and it's just that like, they moved you so, like you, that all happened so fast for you and you were Within so. two years, yeah. Yeah, and you were so young and I just felt like you, they never provided you with like the right, I don't know, just like. And you guidance. were lucky. Guidance. That's the word. Guidance. Yeah. yeah. They kind of just like to go from Kentucky to Norfolk to Austin to kiss in LA. That's insane. And to be what? You're 23, 24. I moved there. I was a month away from turning 24 when I moved to LA. So I was oh a God. baby. Yeah. And I right. turned 31 on Monday. So it was, I mean, shit. I can't. Happy early birthday. Actually, happy, oh, bir- happy by the time birthday. this airs. Happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and you were such an Aquarius too. Cause it's like, you, you're just like, I love it. Like, I love when I meet people. I'm like, yes, you're totally you know, like, it's, yeah, I, I actually, I've gotten super into astrology sidebar, but, um, I never had really related with Aquarius. And then like, everyone's like, you're a total Aquarius stop. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm an Aquarius rising. Oh, okay. Like, which I find really interesting because I, I feel like, <gasps> oh, I'm at, I, it makes like total sense for me. Like my son, yeah, no, my my whole, and then my um rising is Aquarius. Yeah, no, my uh my my rising is a Gemini, which means I can't shut the fuck up ever, and then <laughs> um love people, and then my Aries my Aries moon is strong when the Jersey temper wants to come out occasionally. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it's very Aries. It's actually mm-hmm. um it's so funny because there's a full moon in Leo tonight, and yeah, people were yeah. So I'm a I'm a Leo, and then my rising is a Pisces, which is weird because the Pisces are like so sensitive, but like they're also very nostalgic, which is I am. But then yeah. I but my moon is or maybe my moon's Pisces. I don't know. One's Pisces, one's Virgo, and I was like, mm, but I do have a little bit of OCD, and Virgos are OCD ish. Yeah, so, it's you know what? Can I just say 
I have gotten very good. God, I am so LA right now. I have gotten really good at guessing people's rising moon and sun. Like I did it with my, I did it with my uh, trainer the other day. It was funny. She's a Sagittarius and she's like, I don't feel like a Sagittarius. I was like, why? She was like, I'm such a homebody. I go clock this because we're going to now look it up. I was like, I think you're a Capricorn rising. Uh I was like, or I, and I said, no, no, no. I said, I think you're a, a Taurus um, or Capricorn rising, but you're definitely pro- uh, an earth sign moon. I want to say one of those two things are interchanging. So the cap will be in the moon or the Taurus will be in the rising or vice versa. And I was right. She was a Taurus wow. rising and a cap moon. And I was so, I've done that a few times. Yeah. Scorpio moons are the easiest for me to um, see. Normally they have a very dark aesthetic, especially on Instagram, but like it was, I'm like really proud of myself. That's I'm like, good. I'm good that's, at this shit. That's yeah. I'm super into astrology too. I think my, I'm pretty sure my moon, I think I have a Taurus moon, which okay, kind of okay. mean, we're kind of like my, where my like, cause I, yeah. I have some of it in me. Because more rest, stubborn. Yeah. The rest, I'm, I can be super stubborn. My mom's like, Natalie, like you will argue your point until like the cows come home. But like, oh, yeah. yeah, but like, it's, it's weird because I was like Libra Aquarius, and then Taurus, I was like, I feel like the first two, because they're both, you know, like air signs. Air signs. Yeah. I'm like yeah. so airy, which makes sense because my head's like normally on Mars. And um, yeah. And then Jupiter, or not Jupiter. Wow. Taurus. I'm sorry. Taurus. I'm sorry. It's fine. You know, you know, what's interesting. Um, So actually to bring this back to like what we were saying and kind of bridge the gap between astrology and me losing my job. Uh, there was like a few, there was a few things, but I, so there's a thing when you have placements in Capricorn, there's a thing called Cap Karma. And I, for having being an air sign, I have two stellions, stelliums in Capricorn, which means you have three places of the uh, placements of the same sign. Mm -hmm. And so I have six placements in Capricorn and Capricorn rules my work life. And wow. my astrologer, yeah, my astrologer is SZA and Kaylani's astrologer. Her name's uh, Jade on Twitter. I Jade Astro and she's incredible. And when I lost my job, she messaged me and said, tell me what happens to your boss when you find out your former boss who let you go. She goes, there's no way that he, she's like, he's going to lose his job. Like something's going to happen. I was like, re- she was like, you have such strong Capricorn placements. So I'm like, We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully it's not anything eerie, but I was just like, right. that is so interesting, like bad. But I was like, that was the first thing she messaged me. She was just like, but it was, you know, she had messaged me the other day. Cause I now have moved into this brand new position. And that was like the same thing. She was just like, you know, looking where you were a year ago and what you're doing now, like makes a lot of sense too. When you look at your birth chart. But yeah, look at your chart. If you got some cat placements, like if it rules your love life, if it rules your family life, your work life, and or your friends, if someone has wronged you, start to trace back and see if there's ever been karma that has, you know, taught them a lesson to not treat people badly. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm going to look that in. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm going to like do that after we're done here. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, Astro Cafe is the best. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, Astro Cafe. Do you ever see Astrology Zone's pretty good too? That's Susan, in depth. I haven't done that one. Susan Miller? Susan Miller. Astro- watch her. It's Astro The paragraphs Cafe. are like, yeah. It's oh, intense. I don't know this. I feel yeah, like, I no. feel like I'm I, so Astrology good. Cafe has, it, it shows you the houses that you, it rules. It's all free. House 
boxes, placements, everything. And it, it's, it's like, it gets creepy. Like literally it gets so detailed to the point where you're like, well, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be oh, that was weird. To be correct about. Cafe astrology? Yes. Cafe oh. astrology. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's how I it's found the best. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm going to yeah, check yeah. it out too. Now that we, so, now that we've yeah. got that. When, yeah. so obviously you were doing, did you start as middays or did you, you started as overnights in LA, no. right? I started at overnights and then six months in, I went to late night. So I started at 2am to 5am mm-hmm. and six months in, I was promoted to, um, 10 PM to 2am. And then I did that for about two years. I was so depressed. Um, just because I was sleeping three hours a night because I'd have to go in during the day. And I was working six days a week. Like I didn't have a social life. It was, it was rough. Like it was, it was really bad on my mental health. And then, you know, throw in a toxic workplace and voila, like, so I hit this point where I almost, I I don't know if you know this, you you probably do, but like, cause I think I saw you, but I almost, you wanted to, you almost left. Yeah. Yeah. I almost took a job at, uh, Q102 mm-hmm. and um it was all teed up my boss in LA was helping me um even do that so he was aware of it because I was miserable and as much as I wanted to stay in LA it was like it's not worth my mental health um and so I was going to take a job at Q102 and then at the last minute my boss in LA changed his mind and offered me middays a music coordinator at in LA and weekends off if I decide to stay which also what a mind fuck like he went from not wanting me around to wanting to give me a promotion and that's like how this guy worked like it was literally his emotions and his moods would change overnight like based on how he was feeling and that's just how he would treat everybody oh it was oh yeah imagine having it for six years like Mm -hmm. it was just like things like that and so I did that. I signed a four-year contract. And then two years in actually a year ago, I was going to buy a house in LA, which is a big deal when you're 29. Yeah. And, um, you know, someone looked out for me and knew what was happening and said, you need to tell Alex. Now, the thing is they thought I was just getting demoted to overnights again, had no idea I was going to get let go because these iHeart layoffs were happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I could go on and on about it, you know, what my personal feelings on what happened, but I, I'll never forget what really struck me and the thing I like to focus on um, about the six months I was unemployed. And also when I got let go was the kindness that I received from people. And I think what was so incredible was, you know, at that point, you know, I had lived in LA for six years and so many people in the industry was like, oh, like, you know, uh, well, yeah, when you don't have your, your job at Kiss FM, like see who answers your calls. And that was always in the back of my mind. Like, do people only like want to be around me because I'm on Kiss? And yeah. And I, I said, and I stand by this, uh, I didn't have to pick up my phone when I was unemployed because my phone wouldn't stop ringing. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget uh, walking into someone's office at Disney for a potential job. And they said to me, you know, I was shocked when you got let go and I sat on it for a bit because I was just so deeply confused by it. And he said, but then every single label walked into my office and said, call Alex Trevesi. And I sat on his office and I cried because of course I did. Like, I was like, sorry, this is unprofessional, but I'm just like blown away. 
And yeah. that for me was, was when I was like, if there was ever a doubt that LA is home, there's no more doubt. Like the, the people, like it has every, every city has a stereotype and I've lived in enough cities in this country to tell you there are fake people everywhere. Right. And like LA has this, this stereotype for being fake. I have of course come across it, you know, yeah. cause I've come across it in every fucking city I've lived in. They're in Austin, yeah. Texas, they're in Virginia, they're in Philly, they're in New York, yeah. they're everywhere. But I have thankfully made the most genuine kind friends and there's some real ass people here and they really looked out for me and like honestly was part of the reason I got this job like my my boss was like I never had more people send me a resume when you applied for this job and so I'm like yeah like like we can look at you know what quote unquote I did to get here and I will always put that back to no that just came down to people being kind and good like there's a thousand people that could probably do my job and there were people who were willing to stick their neck out for me which is why I will always stick my neck out for someone else because it really can make a difference. And like, thank God, like, thank God, there were people that ran to my house. I'll never forget losing my job of 10 years and moving around the country and sacrificing relationships, family time, you know, spending time with my grandmother who's dying of Alzheimer's. Like I sacrificed so much for my career in radio. And the moment that was ripped from me before I was ready to, um, it was devastating. Like I felt my, my world had fallen apart and I'll never forget going home and just like, it felt like someone had served me divorce papers and my, my house was like a rotating, like revolving door. Like people didn't even text me and say, I'm coming over. They just showed up. They just knocked at the door with food, with wine. I got, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. What do you need? Do you need, do you need someone to help you with your resume? Do you need this? And it didn't stop until I got my next job. And it is something I will never forget. And it's something I really think a lot of now, especially in the midst of like this terrible pandemic and so Mm -hmm. much uncertainty and no, no one's promised anything, but in the, I always talk about peaks and valleys and like, you know, when you're at your peak and you're like, okay, whether it's a good day, a good week, a good season, you're killing it and everything. You have this appreciation to be able to want to sit in it because you know it's not forever mm-hmm. and have this gratitude. And then it's the same thing with the valleys that come too. And when you are in the unemployment, like Nicole, I'm sure you can speak to this. Like when oh, you're yeah. in the unemployment and when, or when you are fe- experiencing grief or sadness or depression or whatever it is, mm-hmm. also having the perspective to sit in those valleys and say, well, I know this isn't forever either. And this yeah. sucks, but I can sit here and I'll lean on my people and I can find those great things that happen as, you know, around me as well. And it's so it's just interesting you're bringing this up. Cause I felt the same way. Like I actually could get, I get more emotional net, like thinking about how kind people were to me yep. when I lost my job. Like I was almost, I just like, it was just amazing. It was just the, yep. the kindness that, that it was the same exact experience that, that I had. And I just like, will never, ever, ever forget that. And I just think, never. you know, it's just so important. And you know, to talk a little bit about, you know, we're talking about your experience and like you mentioned, I'm a boss, but a lot of the problem is that, and and a lot we talk about in this podcast is just old 
white men who still run everything and make all yeah. the decisions for, I mean, it will talk, you know, sports radio country, but like top 40 radio, the target demo is women right? yeah. to 34. And the people who make the decisions are like 68 years old, literally yes. 60 year old, old white guys. And yeah. I mean, I remember being in meetings and like the PowerPoint would come up and everybody's picture would be up there. And I, I remember being like, no one sees this problem. Yeah. Right. And like, they wonder, and I worry about it every day. Like, obviously if we're still in radio. I worry about the industry, which is going to lead oh. me into what you're doing now. But like yeah. when, when they're not forward thinking, I said this all the time, the view has been on the air for over 20 years with four main, with four or five main women, Hoda and Savannah lead, lead the, the biggest, you know, morning news show. There's no morning show in radio with two women. Yeah. It, it wouldn't even cross somebody's mind to do that. And you know, what's uh, interesting now that you're saying that there's a woman who's still, she's in the industry and I've talked to her about it and she's a manager in the industry and her and I have spoke briefly, you know, just about like the barriers to stuff. And she said to me, she said, you know, she's like, I'm an executive and I'm in these meetings with all these men. She's like, and they're sitting there telling me, well, we have to reach women. And she's saying, she's like, I raise my hand and I say, well, this is what we should probably do. And they go, no, 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 that's, that's not going to work. And she's like, meanwhile, I'm the only woman in the room and you're talking about reaching women you're mansplaining women to me like it is the most stereotypical fucking man shit yeah and she's like she's she said it's beyond frustrating she's like i've learned how to navigate it she's like and i and i i understand like the importance of being the only woman in the room she's like but it it never gets easier you know she said especially when it comes to decision making and giving input and she just said she said i would sit there and just be floored by how they're talking about me she's like i'm a mother i'm 40 something years old i'm the person they're talking about i'm telling them what should be done as a manager as an executive and the men are saying no 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 it's it's mm-hmm. just hopefully i i'm very optimistic just because of you know the th- way that things have played out especially over the last year and all the movements that are being made and like i really feel like there's a move towards zero tolerance but it's, it's so, it's so tough. And what's even sadder is everybody has these stories, right? Mm-hmm. It's we've all been. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and oh, I mean like uh, victimized, we've been victimized yeah. by it. Like you saying you were at the mercy of your boss's mood. Imagine if that was a woman, imagine oh. if it was a woman, she would have been crazy, hysterical. Oh She's my too God. Emotional. Too emotional. Like, I'm like, I literally, wow. when people say men, when people say women are too emotional, I say, have you worked with men? Like, have mm-hmm. you ever worked with a man or I, just spoken to one? Yeah. If all knows from my stories, just that I tell her, cause I'm the only woman at, at um, 97.5, the fanatic. And I love all my coworkers, but good God, they are, they're the drama. 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 She tells me stories. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. The drama just never ends, and and you know, I don't know if it's like an emotional intelligence thing or if it's just it's everything, girl. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I I saw this thing. What I I I would have to double check this. So please correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I was reading this uh this thing about 
how it's ironic that like when, you know, women get their periods, it's our, our testosterone rises and then we become more emotional. And I'm like, oh, isn't that fucking ironic? Like, it's just some shit like that yeah. where you're like, oh, so we start acting more like men who are little bitches. Yeah. And that's a not politically correct thing to say, but I'm going to say it. So I was just like, no, it's, it's, but Wait. it's, that's the thing. Like it mm-hmm. is break that down. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, you know, the stories that I have and it, it you know, I will like, man, it, it gave me clarity in the sense of when I exited iHeart, when I was let go, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. It was less of here's a specific job. It was more of, and I still have the note in my phone. What do I want to feel? Like, I don't know what my next job title is. I have no clue. What do I want to feel? And the things I wrote down was, I want to feel respected. I want to be in a place that's innovative and forward thinking and encouraging. I want to work with people who are empathetic and emotionally intelligent and kind. I want to experience this thing I haven't experienced really before. And I, I want to, I know I want to work with music. I'm passionate about music. I'd be fine if I don't host anything anymore, but these are these points that I wanted. And a lot of them came down to, again, more of like emotional intelligence and more of being surrounded by a good work environment and less about the job I was specifically doing because that makes or breaks it. You can do your dream job as I was doing. And also to be honest, to be fair, I am still very, very close with a lot of people at my old job because thank God the reason I was there for so long was because there are incredible people that are in that industry, right? Like I'm not, I'm not saying not that, but like, you know, I just was like, okay, I, but I can see how one person or a couple people or a whole company culture can ruin something that you were once in love with. And I never want to feel that again. And so what I did was when I was interviewing for, for, uh, the department I'm in now and the original position that I had, I asked around and I said, tell me about this person. Tell me about this person. Tell me about their character. What's their character? And when people came back and said, oh, that person, that person, best, uh, one of the best men in the industry, one of the most stand-up individuals in the industry, and he's a white man. He is one of the, that is a, that's a good one right there. And oh, that woman right there, powerhouse. Awesome. That's someone you want to work with. And guess what? They weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. So I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, you were doing middays at Kiss in LA and you left radio. Yeah. You could have, ha- you could have moved. You could have stayed in LA. You could have done, you could have decided, oh, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to work for CBS. I'm going to work for Intercom. What made you want to move to a new, you work for a record label now and you could explain mm-hmm. a little bit what you do. And we're going to get to the sports, everybody listening. Don't worry. Um, yeah, we'll get to the sports. We'll get to the sports. But what made you say like, I'm going to take this leap. So I knew, um, I knew if I ever got let go and the moment I was done from kiss, I was going to be done with radio okay. I knew that for a while. Okay. I, 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 I was thinking I had a couple more years to, to, um, figure it out, but I had yeah. already been telling people like, I'm done like this, this, 
for me, it was just like, I, I was just like, this is not, I'm not encouraged. I don't feel challenged. And if I'm feeling this in Los Angeles, then I'm not going to feel it anywhere else. And, right. Where do you go? From, and, where do you go from? Right. Yeah. Where do you go from Los Angeles? <laughs> like it was just, you know, yeah. it, 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 the number one billing station in the world. And I don't feel inspired. Like why, why would I go anywhere else? So I, I had made this conscious decision that I didn't know what was next, but again, like what I wanted to feel. Um, and I started to figure out what were the things that frustrated me. And the biggest one was I didn't feel like I had a voice and I didn't feel like there was anything innovative going on. And that was my biggest frustration. And so um, I didn't want to be a label rep because I just didn't really want to work with radio in any capacity. And I knew for a yeah. while I wanted to work on the streaming side of things. And I wanted to work with DSPs, um, digital streaming platforms. And so, yeah. which are, you know, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all that. So I, I, I was just like, well, that's where I would like to go. And that was actually one of the reasons, truthfully, um, that I wanted to become a music coordinator and a music pro, uh, programmer, like, you know, years ago, because I wanted my career trajectory to start. I wanted to start laying the foundational work for me to be able to jump to another industry if need be. Yeah. And for and, those of um, you listening who don't know radio, a music coordinator, program director, that means that you actually choose and schedule the flow of the music. Yeah. So a and, lot of people think yeah. you call in and say, hey, could you play Morgan Wallen? Actually, it's been scheduled for three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, actually, I scheduled that the night before at 11 p.m. when I was watching New Girl on Netflix. Like, right, it's right. just stuff like that. And so I really liked that. And so, um, yeah. So then it, it was interesting. Like, what happened was I had taken a few different meetings with a few different companies, and um, and then the pandemic hit. And it was just like, oh, cool. Like now I'm, I've been unemployed for three months. Now I'm going to be unemployed for a long ass time. Right, and it was just right, like, it was like all the conversations I was having just came to a screeching halt. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so fucked. Right. And yeah. Um, at that point it was probably a month in to the pandemic. And I had curator, which I knew I wanted to, I would love, I wanted to maybe like program playlists for like Spotify or something like that and be a curator. Cause that's essentially what I did in radio. Yeah. And, um, and I had curator pinged on my LinkedIn and then I got a, a job a posting that went to my email and it was like hidden. And then I opened it and it said universal music group, you know, looking for a pop curator. And I literally reached out to every UMG contact I had. I said, what the fuck is this position? How is there a curator on a label side? Like I've never heard of that before. Right. And they're like, we have no fucking clue what this even is. Right. And as it turns out, and it's like, UMG hasn't cleared this podcast, but like, I just like, as it turned out, like I, it was for a department that had never existed before um, called music strategy and tactics. And it was brand new, um, literally had just wow. been created like two months wow. before under Mike Begain, um, who Mike Begain, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Uh, he created new music Friday and today, today's top hits for Spotify. He was like at the beginning oh, of Spotify, wow. he changed the industry. Like, yeah. um, and so, you know, I, it was his team and, you know, alongside of Sam Juneman, who was his VP. And, um, you know, I had, I had my first interview. I will never forget. And this is like uh, any little bit of wisdom I can sprinkle that people had given me, thank God. Um, I didn't think I was qualified for the job. I almost didn't apply. 
because there was a bunch of words on the application that made literally no sense to me. <laughs> like, I was like, I yeah. don't know what a KPI is, you know? And yeah. I'm like, that was like just stuff like that, where I was texting my friends, like, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. Um, and so long story long, um, after two interviews, they came back to me and they said, we know you wanted this job, but you're actually overqualified for it. Um, and so there's a wow. lesson there. Yeah. Um, I thought I was, I almost didn't apply because I thought I was underqualified and they're like, you're overqualified. And so we're actually going to give you a, a bigger position. Oh and then uh, six months later. <laughs> yeah. And yes. then uh, six months later, this I can tell, uh, cause it was pretty emotional for me. Um, back in, uh, I guess it would have been like December or maybe November. Um, I got a call from my boss and they were just like, we want to create a new position for you. You, we want to, it's brand new. It's a global position, which is pretty cool. You'll be able to say you created a global position for the number one music company in the world. Um, and we want to make you the director of global curation strategy. Um, and I literally looked at the date and I said, I was let go 11 months to the day. And, wow. and, oh, I just got um, the chills. I know my boss, I cried on the phone and my boss goes, let's sit in this for a little bit. Cause that's pretty fucking cool. And yeah. you should be so proud of yourself. And, and so again, like, I think what's been really cool, like, I don't want to get into too many details about my job because uh, a lot of these things are going to be announced the cool shit that we're doing. Um, and that's cool. The thing is like, literally my job is I get to create cool shit and like make waves in the music industry. And it's like the dopest shit ever. Like I right. just like every day I'm, I'm like super stressed, but like also just like, what? Like, this is amazing. Um, and like, what's cool is I have never been on a more positive, encouraging, emotionally intelligent, empathetic team of yeah. people all around like not a single person is left out of this in my life and it comes down from the top down and um that's been pretty rad and so you know I have to say it's been the the imposter syndrome has been big <laughs> and it always yeah. has been it's been fierce especially when you're trying to do something for the first time that no one has done before so you can't really ask anybody right to, like Hey, how'd you do this thing? Cause you're doing it for the first right. time ever. Yeah. Um, but like, it's been, it's been pretty, uh, it's been a journey, but man, like what a difference a year can make. And uh, right. So again, something that has been released is the Taylor Swift chapters, which she did yes. for folklore yeah. where yeah. basically each, what is it? Three or four songs from the album are listed as a chapter, which comes with a certain Next, feeling. Yeah. Is that how you would? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, Again, like uh, trying to figure out how I can say this because UMG hasn't approved this, but yeah. it's like pretty much I, what I can say is those chapters and I, Taylor actually just released another chapter last night forevermore. Yeah. Um, but basically what, what we've been doing and what we created was a lot of these, these things um, where it's just like a new uh, way to take uh, music and have, have more fun with it. Like right. continue the storytelling. And so- Like a, a experiential, would you say? Or I make think it a little bit more experiential. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, like Taylor, like Taylor Swift chapters, like I got to work on that project, like with right. the folklore chapters. And that was like really, really cool. And that's all I can say about that. <laughs> but yeah, I think for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's, it's a, it's a, I think, to, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, it's a deeper way to understand what the album means. Is that That's is exactly that a, what that is? Thank yeah, you, thank you, Nicole. Welcome. 
Yeah. Um, but also like on top of that, and that's like one of the cool, well, I mean, that's truly one of the spokes of the really cool things that we're doing. And yeah. And then I also curate playlists. Like, you know, one of the ones I'm proud of is our lost and found playlist um, on Spotify. And we actually have just like branched out and made some subgenres for it. And these are the songs that are like these underground viral hidden trends that aren't like on radio or, you know, the big editorial Spotify playlist yet, because they haven't really hit that point, but they're bubbling below the surface. And then the songs like the Fleetwood Mac dreams, that's a great example, yeah. right? Like where you're just like, oh my gosh, I forgot about the song. It's like big on TikTok. It's like, you know, we have a ton of different playlists that we, we, um, we curate, but that's the one that I have so much fun with. And so it's been, yeah, it's been so rewarding like it's you've a always job but you've always been into like new music because I mean I've known you for a mm -hmm. long time and I always remember being like I've always been like a hit person like I listen to songs like when I play them on the radio but I always remember following you being like god she always knows like you know you would always be like here are the songs I'm into and they're songs that like weren't even released yet or just coming out so I feel like this job is just such a perfect yeah uh, you know scene for you do you know what I mean yeah. like it just and and yet I'm just like listening to Steely Dan, which is like why actually it's funny. I didn't even get the pop curator position. I got the catalog position and, and yes. to use, uh, yeah, to use radio or, or just music terms, catalog, catalog songs are songs that are older than three years. And yeah. I was like, well, this is perfect. Cause all I listen to now are the Eagles, uh, the Doobie brothers and yeah. Steely Dan. Like, bring yeah. it on. Like we're here. Like, I'm like, I mean, I was hitting that age where I was like, what, what is this new track? Yeah. Who is this? I yeah. Like TikTok, what? What's a um, TikTok? But wait, speaking of TikTok, and I want to talk about this because you, you've been a really, cause you had a, a recent TikTok that went super viral. has like yeah, what, over I, a million it, views. It has like 1.5 million views, which yeah. I'm like, I, that was a mistake. So, but it was like, about, <laughs> ment, but it was about mental health and you've become a really big proponent and advocate about mental health. You speak very freely about it. And we yeah. talked a little bit in the beginning about the fact that you used to be a conservative Christian and in the last couple of years you've just become, and you have a, a very large following. So you, you have a, and, and you've gained that from the radio, but you've continued to grow it on yeah. social media. And so where to like explain a little bit of that. Cause like I was kind of teasing both of you, but like you always have the best responses for stuff, but you really do. I learned so much from following you like holistic psychologists. I started following because you posted about, at all the time and yeah. I just think that that's so um you really do help and educate a lot of people so like where did that whole side come from um you know it's interesting I think like what truthfully um my views expanded when my worldview expanded by moving to different places and talking to different people I think it's so easy to stay in your bubble and this goes for both sides of the aisle though you know they're i'm not going to say oh they're the same they're not but like i i think we we so often just stay in our bubble that like we forget there are people that have different experiences and i think like you know i was just in this evangelical christian bubble for so long in south jersey and then you know moved to kentucky and you know, but as I moved across the country, I started getting more liberal, which is interesting <laughs> yeah. uh, how that happens, how when you meet more people, you your views tend to go much more left. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, and so 
when I had all, I had always been someone growing up that was like in and out of therapy. And like, when I went, you know, went to college, I saw a counselor. I'd always been a big um, advocate for therapy. And then when I came out here again, and I had like my first huge bout of anxiety about a year in started going again. And I started going again because of, of a lot of what that TikTok talked about, where I was seeing these unhealthy dating patterns in my life. And I was just like, okay, girl, well, the only constant in this scenario is you. So like, let's get to the root of it. Like, and you know, let's not repeat these mistakes. And so I started going, um, you know, to a therapist that I still see, um, Christy, we love Christy. Um, and yeah, I think for me, it was like, especially to manage stress of my job to, to manage, like to navigate, how I worked, um, just to get to my know, know myself on a deeper level and figure out how I ticked, um, became very important to me. And I, I, I think especially, and what I'm actually most proud of, you know, with, I have a, I have a larger following on Instagram and that comes with a lot of shit, right? Like that comes yeah. with a lot of things that also is detrimental to my mental health, mental health, which is like trolls and everything. It's, yeah. it's not fun. Um, but what is most rewarding and why I remind myself what, like use your platform for good, which, you know, got me in a lot of trouble when I was on radio. Like it really did. Like the fact that I was so outspoken about black lives matter, uh, before everybody wanted to, you know, every major corporation wanted to gaslight their employees to be like, Oh no, we've always been inclusive. Like fuck off. Like, you know, it's like one of those. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, okay. Like, but six years ago, you know, you were telling for the past six years, you were telling me stop saying black lives matter. And all of a sudden I'm no longer, you know, with said company and I'm getting a text. Hey, can you help us craft a statement for this? Like fuck off. Like it's, it's shit like that. But I'm like, that's like the thing where I literally just was like, okay, I want to use my platform to talk about things that matter. I don't want to use my platform to just self-promote all the time. Cause how fucking boring and self-serving is that? Like yeah. if yeah. I have 200, if I have a quarter of a million followers, and I'm not using it to talk about the shit that matters, then I don't deserve to have a quarter of a million followers in my opinion. Like, so for me, it was like talking about social justice issues. It was ta- and not to be like a social justice warrior. Like I do more beyond that, but like, let's amplify voices that do not have a quarter of a million followers. Like let's amplify mental yeah. health issues. Let's amplify these things. And with that, I will say what is rewarding, the reason why I do do it is, you know, I think as much as I love to shit on men and I can all day you know, men, because we live in this patriarchal society, it doesn't benefit them either. Like they are also victims of the patriarchy and they don't feel like they can go to therapy because it's not manly enough. That's and what the I was going to say. They're just yeah. so, they're so messed up in the head because the way the con- society is constructed. Of, because of as, other men. Like, yeah. Because of yeah, other men. Yeah, they just, they yeah. just, yeah. again, constantly shit on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, so the amount of messages that I have gotten from men that has, have said, Hey, thank you for posting what you post because I just scheduled my first therapy appointment. I'm like, this is why I do this. Yeah. This is it. And quite frankly, to your point to Nicole, one of the reasons why my views had changed so drastically was because of people on the internet. And I'm so sick of people 
people for years were like, stop putting things on Facebook, stop putting things on Twitter. You're just shouting into a void. No, I'm not because I'm a living proof of that because I, my views changed that's because what I was people just thinking. I respected yeah. and trusted people I loved were sharing their personal experiences that looked vastly different from mine. Yeah. And, and so use you know, your platform. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Now. I mean, I've always been very liberal. In fact, like I, I normally would always like, fight about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Normally when, um, like my, my phone would, uh, when my phone shows me like 11 years ago on Facebook, I cringe, but like, I saw posts that I did in like 2009 that I was like, God, I've always been quite the social media warrior, but I've educated myself so much from social media and learned yeah. so much from social media that other people have posted, especially a lot of black people that I yeah. follow and black friends that I follow or Hispanic or Muslim that I continue to follow. So I could continue to educate myself. And then I share that. And I've had people tell me that too, you know, I've lost friendships over it. And I'm like, but those yeah. people suck. And I don't want to be friends with people who cannot understand that other people are going through hell. And so yeah. I've learned so much, like not only have I learned a lot from social media, but I've also really learned how other people really think. And so, yeah. so it's like, I've been able to be educated, but then I've also been able to see people and be like, you fucking suck. And yeah. you know, you've been hiding you, you've been hiding your racism, you know, like this whole time. And now all of a sudden I see you and I'm like, yeah. and I've said that too. I was like, I'm glad that you, I'm glad for social media that I could see how people really think and feel. Cause then I get to choose not to fuck with you anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, and I feel that's been, there's been as terrible and as hard as the last year has been, that has been, I think one of the biggest benefits of everything that's happened is really just exposing a the problems that we have as a society when it comes to racism and the patriarchy and all that other stuff but also yeah who harbors that stuff and then yeah like you're saying you're just like okay i know that they're not my people like if, if that's yeah. if that's what you want to think and that's what you want to do go stay over there and you're in the small little bubble and world that you live in because it's there's just no like place for it anymore yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And I think like, you know, I always say like, one of the things that was like more humbling, um, you know, was realizing the reason why I wanted to hold like very tightly to a lot of my views was really my pride. And so I say like, obviously like use, you know, dis use discernment, be wise. But like the moment I feel myself getting defensive is usually my cue to shut the fuck up. Like, if someone who is black or, you know, whatever is being like, Hey, like, you know, when you say that it's, it's kind of hurtful or insensitive. What do I have to lose to not say that thing? Yeah. Nothing. yeah. Like if I have literally nothing to lose just by not saying that thing, then the only reason why I want to say that thing is because I'm being a dick and I'm being prideful and it's my ego. Yeah. Like for, you know, it, it costs nothing. It costs nothing to be kinder, a little bit more sensitive. And if you're thinking, oh, well, for what reason, what do you gain? You don't, yeah. if you don't gain anything, then why are you doing it? Like you're doing it at that point, just because you won't want to look like a dick. And yeah. quite frankly, you just look like more of a dick by doing it. Like, right. so I digress. Uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, all right. Uh, all right. So, all right. So let's part of it really fast what were we gonna say Natalie oh no that's what I was gonna say speaking of social justice it kind of ties into 
yeah. like you were saying earlier, you know, when we were talking that the perspective on sports has changed, I found a lot of it has had to do with a lot of the social justice movements within sports, um, being a diehard Philadelphia fan and then moving to LA and being in all these cities. What do you think the difference is between the fan bases? If it just a quick, summary, oh, how do you, I mean, we all know what good. the differences are, but what do you, if you had to just kind of summarize quickly a Philadelphia sports fan, we all know what they're, you know, oh yeah, what they are, and an LA sports fan. Yeah. What do you okay. think? I, uh, I have uh, lots of opinions on this. Um, I'll say off the bat, the LA sports fan I have the most respect for are Dodgers fans, man. Yeah, Dodgers okay. fans are the fucking realist like they have you know gone through I, I was so happy when the Dodgers won the champion uh the the championship this year where I was yeah, just like yeah. the World Series and I was just like good for them like Dodgers fans have been through shit like congrats you know it was just thrilled yeah. and um I think you know I've, I've bubbled it down to or a few things and this is is it's gonna sound like a weird thing to say but in a city like LA, where you can literally ski in the morning and then surf at night, there's so much to do. Like you don't really yeah. live and die by sports anymore because on a Sunday there's like, it's like 75 and sunny and no one wants to be in their house. And so well, and the games are at like 10 o'clock in the morning too, right? Yeah. They're on yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning or one. And trust me, I love the fact that, you know, the Sunday night football game comes on at five and I'm like in bed yeah. by eight. It's so perfect. sweet. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And so that's why there's just so more, there's a lot of options on things to do. And so um, I think that Dodgers fans are the realist. I think, um, I, personally, I, you know, even though I adopted the chargers, it was more of, okay, they're an AFC team. You know, I had uncles in San Diego. Uh, I bought season tickets a year and in going into a pandemic, great business decision on my part. Love to see it. <laughs> um, but I want to say Rams fans are, are also like the rowdiest, like they're pretty real too. Um, okay. but yeah, I think like it's, it's, I think it comes down to like, you have a blue collar city and then you have a white collar city. And there's like, I remember my first Lakers game being like, so shocked at the amount of men that showed up to the game in suits. Like they just came from yeah. work and they just, you know, booked it over there. And it was a much different crowd from either even Clippers uh, fans. Like I like Clippers fans more because again, they're not, now they're a little bit bandwagony, but like, you know, Sixers are too, if you think about it, like we yeah, just started yeah. getting like super good and you're seeing the bandwagon fans. Mm -hmm. My first Clippers fan uh, game when they were trash, it was like, oh, these are my people. Like they're not here yeah. in suits. They're here in like all of their jerseys. Um, and so, and if you think about it too, it's crazy. You have two teams per sport in this city yes. you got the kings and the ducks you know and the dot if you're an anaheim fan you're you live in orange county so there's that contention you have the angels and the dodgers same thing the angels are anaheim so that's orange county so that's like more you know like that's that's not la like you don't think la if you think the angels you think of uh you know like all like the suburbs, beach cities right? yeah it's like it's like that's orange suburbs. county that's, so yeah. like yeah like but That's like also I mean. some like you have torrents and stuff like that too. But yeah, and then you uh and then you have what am I saying? Okay, so Lakers Chargers, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lakers, Clippers. That's a little bit more mixed. Like that's not really by region. But Chargers and Rams, same thing. Like Chargers is more Orange County. I will never forget, guys. I shit you not. I went to a Chargers game and I was like, this shit. Like I'm here for it. But you never see this shit in Philly. 
they um it was through uh through kiss my old job and they had us up in a in a like a tent with a waiter to have brunch and mimosas while watching the chargers game and they knew who their audience was they were like we're getting these rich white oc moms to come out to a game and um yeah and so it's it's different but you go to a rams game and that's a different vibe like we they still have the vip tents like that we would go to and it's still like a whole club and party there but you also have two soccer teams like you know we have um yeah, we, we just launched the Los Angeles football club. Same thing. There's a fucking club on the upper deck with a pool and you're just like, you know, with a view of LA, it's a different experience when you go to games in LA, but it's its own set of fun. Like, it's not like you, if you want gritty and you want real fans, you go to a game in Philly. If you want like a more, uh, corporate experience, experience. Uh, yeah. go to a game anywhere in LA. Yeah. So really like, quick. How yeah. do they treat the athletes? Like, are they hard on the athletes? Do they love the athletes? Do they, do they like, obviously, you know, Philly, like I always yeah. use just to give even like somebody like Nelson Aguilar, who was like the third string wide receiver. They ran him out of town. Cause they're like, you yeah. suck. How do they treat the players there compared to Philly, Boston, New York, something like that. Do I they mean, care no- about the players? Yeah. I mean, no one treats a a player like Philly. No one treats their team like Philly. I mean, we're the city of brotherly love for a reason. Like we'll love the shit out of you. Even when you leave, we'll respect you. Like, you know, Doug Peterson. But we also hate you. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're pissed. We're like, you don't take this seriously. This is like what we live and die by. But I think like, it's definitely, you know, when the passing of Kobe, like that for me was like, I really saw the effect of right. what an athlete can have on the city. I had never experienced anything like it, guys. I've I've never experienced anything like right. it. And I just, I mean, that we just came up on a year of that. And yeah. I just remember when I tell you it was the it was the quietest I had ever experienced the city. Like it was where were you? Was, like where were I, you when that happened? I literally went on a hike, um, another LA thing to say, I went on a hike and I got in my car and I opened up, I was about to get in my car and I opened up my Twitter app and I was like, no, there's no way. And it was such a foggy morning. Um, I mean, so overcast. And I texted the group chat and I said, Kobe died. And everyone's like, you're fucking with me. There's no way. And I just, I'll never forget that. I will never forget experience i i hadn't experienced uh in such a long time a a group of people an entire city grieving something at once and like from getting into an uber and and just silence and then just being like how are you doing you okay and like the you know men tearing up and then going to that memorial and like that picture of him and Gigi wearing the eagles hat too like that was Mm -hmm. hitting close to home and that being everywhere and it was just like this really that was when I was like, man, sports, uh, you can shit on LA all day, but man, it matters to them. Like it matters. Um, you know, there are, they care, like it might not look the same as Philly, but especially for someone like Kobe and their team, it's like, they go hard and especially like Lakers fans. And like, when you get into like, uh, just like dot, like I said, Dodgers fans in general, like they're not, it's not the moment they lose. It's not like this. Um, it, it's, 
it's not this um is it like it's not like a visceral they don't, they, no no right. like it's it's more of the well we love we love you so much thank you like if you're a dick they'll like be like fuck off but like it's 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 more of a thank you for like all the years that you contributed to this team and like you know all, it's it's different from feeling that sense but i will say like la the real ones the real fans they love their team so much um and so it's Who cool do you like listen the- who do you think's the biggest sports star in LA right now besides LeBron? Cause he's like a next level, but like, who do you think that they just like can't get enough of like talked about the most? Like, obviously there's drama right now with Jared Goff. Like, do people want him to stay with the Rams? Do they uh, want him to I, go? Do they not care? I don't think like it's football. I would, I would say it'd be like anyone on the Dodgers, like okay. <laughs> the entire team. Like, you know, it's just the, just the, especially after coming off like a world series, like they yeah. love that team. I would say Clayton Kershaw, like all day. Yeah. Like, they yeah. love, like, it's just, you know, Justin Turner, like everybody, like, I think Dodgers, again, uh, if you, if you want, if they're going to idolize anybody, it's going to be anyone off that team. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I really wish, like I'd say, if this was normal times, I'd be like, come out, like you go to a Dodgers game, you get a Michelada, you get a, a Dodger dog. It is such a fun experience. And then like, you know, it's even like, what I love is just like how, um, why did I just blank on his name? The famous Dodgers broadcaster, Vin Scully. Like you have, you have roads named after Vin Scully. You know, right, I drive down, right. I'm about to leave and go to my friend's house and go to down Vin Scully Boulevard. Like, you know, it's just, it's a, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like Dodgers feel so much more like Philadelphia because it's so, yes. it's like, you know, one of the, one of the former managers just passed away and it was just like, it was, you know, oh, on the billboards. Oh yeah, Tom yeah. Lasorda. Yeah. yeah, he was yeah. like he was he was a yeah, celebrity yeah. in his own right outside of baseball. I think yeah. that that's such a good observation the way that you did it. And um, before we go, is that where you talked about how yeah, like it's a different experience in the sense of like it's more of like an event that you go to and like you're having your mimosa and like you're hanging out with your friends and it's not the it's not like how we open this podcast when you explained yeah. the first Eagles game right. People yep. aren't pissing from the upper deck no. and people aren't cursing at you for wearing another Jersey, but the people that are there, they still love their teams. Exactly. And so, and I think you know, the Kobe thing is, is so, I think the Kobe thing is such a perfect thing to talk about how LA was in mourning for a month, you know what I mean? And how it, the city felt quiet. Like you said, I, yeah. I think that when people realize that, because I think you're right, like people always scoff at LA and say people don't care, but like they actually they do. do. They really do. Yeah. It just looks different. And um, like I said, I have an appreciation for both. And you know, I have my LA teams now. And you know, I which are I know give them get before Dodgers. Racket. Sorry, okay. Phillies, Dodgers. Um, you know, I'll take Clippers over Lakers, Kings for sure. Lo- you know, Kings fans are also they go they go super hard. Um, and then what am I leaving out? Am I, I'm leaving Chargers. out a whole sport. Oh yeah. Well, Chargers. Chargers, because I have season tickets, but that's more of a financial decision and less about. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, thank you so much. Are you still, so tell everybody, obviously your socials and then are you still doing your podcast? Um, I am, but it's just been so busy. It's yeah. kind of fallen to the side, but you can listen to all my episodes. Alex tries her best. 
um, on any They're streaming good. platform. Thank you. Um, we have yeah. another one going up soon. And then follow me on social, you know, across TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, Alex on the mic, A-L-E-X on the M-I-C. And ladies, thank you so much. This was so fun. This was so yeah, fun. This thank you so much. Go birds. Yeah, go birds. Pick up your night and yes, go bird and uh, go birds. And uh, we hope to catch up with you soon. You will. Bye. Right. Enjoy Bye. that sunny later. weather. Oh, it's been so cold. It's been 38 in the morning, but when it comes what? back, it'll be, it's fucking weird. I hate it, but I'm freezing my ass All right, off, guys. global warming then. Well, then I I've been, getting, <laughs> I've been you know, my, you know, Justin Peasy, but like he's been in, he's, his parents got a house in Manhattan beach for like three months. And I'm like, I want to come visit, but like COVID still sucks there. I just, it's just yeah, like, COVID, not don't come yet. We're yeah, the epicenter yeah. of the world. Please don't come. <laughs> it's yeah. like, we'll talk to you. It's not good. Bye. Bye guys. See you Bye. later. All right. Mwah. See ya. Oh,